0: Welcome to the Fortune of the Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is Beer Me a Movie. It's the show where we very, 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 very scientifically score movies based on the scale that we've developed for years and years at this point. It's disgusting how long it has taken us to develop a scale that only has 10 categories.
1: It dates back to the Stone Age, as far as I know.
0: Yabba dabba don't. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> it's already yabba dabba too late.
0: That's very, very fair. Uh, if the score that we come up with matches the Rotten Tomatoes critical score or audience score, we gotta finish our drinks. It's very, very simple. And if you're at home listening to this over a nice cup of Joe, you gotta pound that sucker, and you're probably gonna end up like pooping or burning your face when or it's both. all said and done, or both if you're lucky.
1: And if you're driving and have booze, you do the same. Even though that's not uh, an official recommendation, you're already doing it. So, folks, don't
0: drink and drive unless you're listening to this show.
1: But if you happen to be drinking and driving and we get the right Rotten Tomato score, pound your drink. Pound it. Finish it.
0: Live life. You only live it once, YOLO. (laughs) We
1: have a guest this week. He's
0: back from the King of Kong. Mike Lanham, welcome back, buddy.
2: I was wondering, because this movie just drives jokes into the ground at at one point, I was like, how many like BC type (laughs) jokes are we going to get on this (laughs) podcast? Because they're just... It's so easy, and so much of it had to be over the heads of anyone under the age of, I don't know, 20.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's a generous age to throw at this thing because I agree. Me and my 30s, they finally mostly landed, and I feel like there's still things I do not understand in this movie.
1: Yeah.
2: When I first saw this movie, I had to be like 10, 11. So now it's like, wow, that makes so much more sense now. And the movie we're talking about this week is, of course, The Flintstones,
0: from 1994, directed by... Do I give it to him? Yeah, I think you
1: give it to him. Brian fucking Levant! Because why not?
2: Based off making
1: Beethoven? And Jingle All The Way.
0: Oh,
2: Jingle, that's true. Eh, Never
0: forget Jingle All The Way.
2: But but is he crossed out for making Problem Child (laughs) 2? Two, not one, two.
1: Listen, it's all about balance. And I think... He had the right sediment. You feel good about that? I do. All right. (laughs) I feel (laughs) feel just as good as the 32 writers of this movie must have felt about all their puns.
0: First of all, it was 35. And there was a whole entire WGA issue going on behind the scenes about who was going to end up on the poster. And at one point, it was seven names. (laughs) I love that. You absolutely shouldn't, because literally 35 monkeys could have put together something a little bit more coherent. Not as funny. Because this movie <laughs> is sort of brilliant.
1: version of the Flintstones?
0: Brian, you've seen this, yeah? Yeah, of course. I saw this in
1: theaters. Like, I remember I d- seeing it in theaters. I don't remember where or when I saw it, but I know that I've seen it.
0: want to dive into this and score it ridiculously highly? Because I'm going hard <laughs> on this one.
1: <laughs> uh, I suppose, if that's that's... Starting off in dangerous territory, but I'm I'm here for it. I feel
0: like Babe Ruth is coming up to the plate. I'm I'm calling my shot, baby. I'm going hard on this one.
1: It's the holiday season. Why not?
0: What's it have to do with cavemen, Brian? The holiday Absolutely season. Absolutely
1: nothing. I, I'm just, you know, trying to get into the spirit of being generous and letting you do whatever you're going to do.
0: Just go ahead and read it, Bon.
1: All right. We start off with Ryderick Strickley once again doing an attempt at acting. <laughs> He's been doing okay so far. He's been doing all right, um, especially because it's me acting out his words. <laughs> He's just doing the writing of the acting. What part does he want to play
0: this week? Because last week you played Doug, the as Sean Astin role in 51st
1: Dates. That's right. Brian's tongue nearly fell out of its head. It was not only difficult to read, but it was my I felt like my tongue was going numb by the end of it because of the lisp.
0: It's like a good time to announce it. On Patreon, Brian's going to be doing a special reading of Fox and Socks by Dr. <laughs> Seuss that is all warmed up. With a lisp. Please don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this week, Ryder makes directly assumed the role of Dictabird. Sweet Jesus, man. Uh, and he's testifying <laughs> before Judge Boulder of Judge the Bedrock Boulder. Court System.
0: <laughs> you know, one of the 35 people who wrote this movie couldn't come up with that. AI wins. That's right.
1: AI, AI could have written this movie better than 35 people. Ahem, Your Honorable Judge Boulder. Hold on, that was bad. I need to get into character here. He's a little more British. He's He's a a a lot more British. Yeah.
0: And it's kind of offensive that you're like, you're doing a British accent right now while wearing a New England Patriots
1: hat. Uh, Well, you know, balance, like I said. (laughs) Ahem, Your Honorable Judge Boulder, members of the jury, esteemed citizens of Bedrock. I am the Bird, a creature of flight and recording of facts. It's a living. Oh, and God. I'm here to recount the events <laughs> that have transpired, involving one Fred Flintstone, played by John fucking Goodman, and his family, his friend Barney Rubble, played by Rick fucking Moranis, and the nefarious executive schemes at Slate Company.
0: Historically, do you think that this is the first
1: embezzlement? Uh, oh, I thought you were going to continue that thought, but first embezzlement, it could be
0: i think it might be i mean when does the catholic church come into
2: existence <laughs> when when does jesus flip over tables
0: i don't know does it that start at zero or does it start at like 33 when he got hung up or something like that
1: i've always wondered because we go right from before christ did after death <laughs> right <laughs> That leaves 33 unaccounted four years it's not after death i i know the that. public school I, system i Brian. took latin
2: why does, why does this bird sound like uh, Zazu from Lion King? Like I, The whole time I'm like, Rowan Atkinson? No, too early. <laughs> and then I'm like, nope, same year. I guess it could have been. It bothered me the whole movie that it's not the same person.
1: Harvey fucking Corman, though. The That's voice of Dicker Bird is the original, uh, what's his, the little green Martian from the show. I feel like a lot of cameos in this movie were of people that were in the 60s cartoon. Was Elizabeth
0: Taylor in the 60s cartoon? She was not. Because that's a get. Like, she used to be one of the greatest actresses of all time. Still is, just now she's super dead. But (laughs) she's in the fucking Flintstones, and it makes no sense. As the stepmom. I don't think it's a stepmom. I think it's called a mother-in-law, Brian. (laughs) That's
1: exactly what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes words are confusing. Uh, and the go, categories are very similar on certain websites. Very fair. Do your British accent again. All right. It all started at Slate Rock and Gravel Company, where Fred and Barney toiled day after day quarrying rock. Quarrying rock. <laughs> I guess that's what you do with <laughs> quarry. You, you quarry. It's a verb now. <laughs> on a day like any other, Barney expressed his gratitude for Fred for having loaned him the money for an adoption application by switching his own higher test score with Fred's on the company Aptitude Exam.
0: What kind of company does an Aptitude Exam? Like, you do it before you get hired to find out if you're a dum-dum. You don't really do it so much in the midst of working there to see if you're a dum-dum.
1: I don't think they're really looking for dum-dums so much as they're looking for people to promote. They
0: are, but then they end up weeding out a dum-dum. We're looking for a fall guy. And if you're looking for a fall guy, why would you go with the smartest in the room?
1: That's a very good question. Well, I think it's just to pull it over Mr. Slate's eyes. Fair enough. This act of friendship propelled Fred from the working pits to an executive office, as the exam was part of Mr. Slate's search for a new vice president.
0: It wasn't so much Mr. Slate, it was Cliff Vandercave.
1: Kyle fucking McLaughlin.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he, he can rock that caveman outfit, my friend. I was
1: very surprised to see him in this movie, because I did not remember it being him.
0: We're getting to the person that I was very surprised to see.
2: (laughs) When his name popped up, I'm like, man, had he just finished Twin Peaks, like, might have been like perfect timing for him. But other than that, Steven Spielrock is just there, like, trust me, we got a guy who's about to blow up.
1: We love Spielrock. However, I, the Dictabird, voiced by Harvey Corman, Harvey fucking Corman was privy to the machinations of Cliff Vander Cave, the company's scheming executive, and his accomplice, Miss Sharon Stone, played by not Sharon Stone, but Halle Berry. The way you just worded that, it would
0: have been so much funnier if they got Sharon Stone to play that part.
2: Yeah, but
1: she had other commitments.
0: Halle Berry probably didn't, at all.
2: This is early, early Halle Berry.
0: <laughs> I like this Halle Berry a lot.
2: Oh, she's it's a good Halle Berry. Gorgeous in this movie. Sharon Stone would have been funny just for the name, but bravo for for doing it anyways.
1: I like that they didn't change the name. They're like, well, we don't have a rock pun for Halle Berry.
0: I don't even think it was that. I bet like all 35 writers are like, we're going to name her Sharon Stone. Get it, guys? Get it? And then Spielrock <laughs> came in. He's like, that's a real person. They go, I'll ah, leave it in. Who gives a shit?
2: (laughs) We're naming things after rocks. She can't do anything. Sharon's a common name. She can't do anything about it.
1: Can't do anything about it. Their plan was to use an unknowing stooge to take the fall for their embezzlement scheme. As the executive assistant and overseer of all company records, I watched helplessly as Fred was set up to authorize the dismissal of the entire workforce, unknowingly signing documents that would allow Vander Cave to funnel company funds into offshore accounts.
0: What are these offshore accounts? Because I have very no clearly, when we saw the Universal logo, Universal. Shell, apologies to all 35 writers, <laughs> it was Pangea, and that was a very it's good Pangea. visual gag. It was very funny, and I almost missed it. Maybe that's why you gotta like keep going back to this movie every now and then, just to get all
1: these ha-has. Oh, I get it. Dinosaurs.
2: I think there's ha-ha moments every scene. You just have to look for them. Yeah, Which, which like Dave said, is something you just have to go back and watch over and over again. But embezzlement plot for what's technically a kid's movie? <laughs> this movie is definitely pandering to the parents who would have been, what, 30 compared to when the cartoon started, mid-30s? Maybe that's the audience you're really going for?
0: I don't know, man, because the Flintstones been around since the 1960s. So, yeah. yes, the parents at this point are going to be older, and then they're like, oh, we're going to introduce our kids, and we got the guy from Roseanne as Fred Flintstone. It's going to be hysterical (laughs) or whatever. But I feel like there's a reason why you don't see embezzlement schemes in children's movies. Like, can you imagine Hook being like, bring me Peter Pan, and make sure that you get all the proper forms from the sign, so that we can get all these offshore accounts for
1: Neverland. (laughs) Oh, I heard that you were investing in bonds, (laughs)
0: I feel like Iger's going to sue us just because you even attempted that voice, Brian. Right? We need everyone to go on Patreon right now and up your donation. (laughs) (laughs)
1: There's a new article on Variety that I'm the reason that the Marvels didn't perform well all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, because Variety is just on a war path right now.
1: (laughs) Oh, nothing's happening? All right, write another fuck Marvel uh, article. Quick, 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 quick. (laughs) All the fanboys will click on that and we'll get advertising money. They love being fueled by rage. (laughs) <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> I like that they tricked Fred into firing the entire workforce, but he didn't realize he was chiseling pink slates. I don't they know how you could chisel pink. all these things
0: and not read one single thing. Like, yeah, I get that he's a dense motherfucker, but still.
1: Even the Bird is like, hey, you should probably read those before you sign them. <laughs> Bird's a bit of a dick, though. It's in his name, and he should be a bit more direct with this lug
2: <laughs> fred's attention span does not go very far so like he's playing with the model breaking the model so like hey here's these tablets i need you to sign them like oh okay do you mean deus Ex model Chekhov's model
0: <laughs> oh boy this is a, a proper bit of cinema folks
1: absolutely in fred's new role he was blinded by the trappings of wealth and prestige he fired Barney at Vander Cave's behest, giving Barney's apparent lowest aptitude test score. Well, he switched their, their scores because of the whole adoption thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Barney switched it. And I think it's pretty great how Barney like is such a good friend that he keeps it to himself almost yeah. the entire movie until it gets to, like the fuck you Fred moment.
1: Even while Fred's being a total dick about it, Barney's like, oh, well, you know, it's Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Fred then proceeded to upgrade his family home into a swanky mansion and became increasingly disconnected from his working class roots.
0: I like how they consider putting one extra story on it to be a mansion.
1: You need to build that out of solid rock.
2: (laughs) It can't be cheap. He works at a rock quarry. He probably gets a pretty good discount.
1: This is a Johnny Cash one one piece at a time kind of situation. Brings home all the different parts the different cars and builds the... 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, you know, et cetera. Automobile.
0: Or he could just call his b- buddy Bob Stone, because I'm assuming that they couldn't think of any good rock pun for Bob Vila <laughs> for this incredibly old house.
1: First of all, his name is Rock Vila. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> and it's this old cave. Uh, rock doesn't rhyme with Bob. I don't give a shit. It, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's got a no in it. That's all we're doing now. Yeah, that's a pretty good joke there, Fred. Good job, writer number 32. Thanks, Bon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bon.
0: What's up with John Goodman's accent in this thing? Because every now and then he falls into the Cyclops from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where it just gets a little bit too Southern for the Brooklyn that he's kind of attempting.
1: Well, I I read that he intentionally didn't watch any episodes of the Flintstones in preparation. And then Spielberg was like, no, but you have to do the accent. So... That's probably where it comes from. You can't quite nail it.
0: So I was reading up on this also, and apparently he just got completely sandbagged into this role where he was doing the movie always with Steven Spielberg. And in the table read, Steven Spielberg stopped it and said, I think I just found my friend Flintstone, which is a really <laughs> fucked up thing to stop anything <laughs> That is for. so messed up. But John Goodman... Had a bit of a drinking problem before this, where he doesn't really remember a whole lot uh, a lot of roles that he did. So I'm wondering if that maybe carried over into the Flintstones, just a, a teeny tiny bit.
1: That's very possible. I feel like getting interrupted at a table read to be told that, oh, you're a perfect cartoon character is just it's a dick move if it comes from anyone but Steven Spielberg.
0: Like, you're at the table read for this one very specific role already, the one that you have. Yeah. And if he stops just... <laughs> I'm going to put you in a loincloth. That's not how Steven Spielberg talks at all. Oh, Jesus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put you in a loincloth. <laughs> I want to see those feet dead, Goodman. This movie is a, is Quentin Tarantino's dream.
0: 100% it is, man. The f- amount of feet in this movie is ridiculous.
1: Twinkle toes. And they're always dirty and on display.
0: They had a pan glass from the set. I love that. <laughs> As a Justin case, K- Like anything broke, it's like you have so many barefoot people. Yeah. Feet are gross, man.
1: They really like, are. Like, I thought
0: that I could be all about feet at, uh, like, certain points in my life, and then I see them. It's like, nope. Still nope.
1: Hey, if it's your thing I could get into No. No, I can't. Sorry. I'm but- not about yucking people's yums. No. But feet are yuck. it's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusted by the Flintstones' lavish new lifestyle and attitudes, Barney and his wife Betty, played by Rosie O-fucking-Donald, had a falling out with Fred and Wilma, played by Elizabeth fucking Perkins.
0: What else is Elizabeth Perkins been in? She's the one I don't know. Big. Weeds. Where is she in? I know where she is in Big. Where is she in Weeds?
1: She's like the mother of the other, the, the like other. the weird girl in class. Oh man, it's been a minute it's, since it's, I've seen
0: that.
2: It yeah, like out of all the people in this movie, I mean, Halle Berry obviously nowhere near a star yet, but like Elizabeth Perkins, perfect looking for Wilma, but like yeah. seems out of place as the character. Like you could have had it, Julia Roberts too big, Sharon Stone wasn't available to play Sharon Stone, so <laughs> probably couldn't have been Wilma. Like, do you have another like natural like redhead that would have fit that role in the in the mid early nineties? I read that Gina Davis, Faith Ford, Ooh. and Catherine O'Hara were also okay. considered. Kath, Catherine O'Hara is <laughs> the one I I thought that's the one I thought about, but and it's kind of like the same for for Betty. It's like who else? I mean, Rosie O'Donnell had done a leak of their own, but Rosie O'Donnell's show hadn't started. So, other than being, like, a big comedian...
0: Had she done Harriet the Spy yet?
2: <laughs> I don't know.
0: think so. Rosie O'Donnell's perfect in this movie.
2: Well, yeah, I saw something that said Sally Field, but I feel like at that point, Sally Field is 10 to 15 years older than everybody in this movie. So, I don't yeah. know that... And this is, like, four scump time, so I don't know that it would have worked regardless. But, yeah... Her role is not as big as it probably should have been in the movie, but she is perfect in the movie.
0: I feel like just about everybody's perfect in this movie. No, the the cast. Like, we're going to get to casting, I know, later, but man, did they nail it.
2: (laughs) You see John Goodman and you go, that's fucking Fred Flintstone. Like, it's perfect.
0: That is See why Steven Spielberg needed to rudely interrupt his own table read to just loudly announce that out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) He's
1: like, I know I'm the only one here, but dibs. Dibs? Dibs.
0: And apparently... Spielberg wanted Danny DeVito for Barney. Ooh,
1: yeah, and Danny DeVito was like, that's uh, not right for me. <laughs> what yeah. you want is this Rick Moranis guy.
0: That is exactly what he wanted.
2: What about what about uh, Jeff Daniels, maybe?
0: You're getting very dumb and dumber then.
2: I know, but like... That's
0: true. And he thinks he's probably
1: too tall.
2: Him and Goodman had just came off of arachnophobia. Well, not right off. It'd been a few years, but that could have worked. But I, like you said, I, I like the Moranis thing, especially for the... The height difference with uh, Goodman, it's perfect. Yeah. That's
1: why I'm going hard on this movie, folks. <laughs> because it's perfect. We, ha- we have it on record.
2: Great chemistry.
1: When embezzlement accusations are levied against Fred, Betty and Wilma join forces to help clear his name. Together, they coerced me into recounting Vandercave's plot. Betty straight up strangles him.
0: Yep. Uh, Rose O'Donnell's not fucking around here
1: <laughs> at all. Meanwhile, while the quarry workers attempted lynching of Fred and Barney, helped Fred recognize the error of his ways. They're not even
0: just getting lynched. They're getting lynched by incredibly famous comedian Jonathan Winters. Yeah. Wearing a weird leather sideways hat.
1: There's a lot of fashion choices happening here. And I think they all rock.
0: Well, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) You've finally done it. You've gone too far.
1: That was. I'm just trying to emulate the movie.
0: Yeah, and you're doing too good of a job, maybe? 36 writer. That's the problem. <laughs> My bad. Mike, you want to write anything, you can be number 37, <laughs> trying to write a fucking Flintstones for <laughs> the parking lot.
1: Oh, nice. The jokes are only going to get worse for Viva Rock Vegas. I can't oh, wait. Boy.
0: And uh, Brian knows that I wanted to talk Flintstones just to get to that as a gateway <laughs>
1: movie. <laughs> it's all part of a sick plan, folks. Luckily. Betty, Wilma, and I arrive in time to rescue Fred and Barney and set the record straight.
0: I like how you went slightly Fred when you said Barney. That was adorable.
1: <laughs> Fred. Hey, Bon! The Rubbles and Flintstones, united once more, and embarked on a quest to clear Fred's name. As the key witness to Vandercave's villainy, I was more than willing to testify. But Vandercave, ever the crook, kidnapped young Pebbles and Bam Bam, the Flintstones' daughter and the Rubbles' adopted son, in order to blackmail Fred into keeping quiet.
0: You want to know what's really, really disappointing about this movie, and it will lose points, and I guarantee that, is what? that Catherine O'Hara was not cast as Wilma, just so she could say, "Ah, good for you, Fred, giving the money so that they could get that baby.
1: <laughs> baby. <laughs> Bam Bam, it took me a while to realize, voiced by Elizabeth Daly? Really? I was like, why does Bam Bam sound so much like Tommy Pickles? And it's because Bam Bam is voiced by Tommy Pickles. A stew diver.
2: Was it like a requirement at the time that any child actor had to be a set of twins? Because Bam Bam and Pebbles are both played by twins who never basically never did another movie, I guess, ever again.
0: It's incredibly common that child actors, especially that young, are done by twins. And it's mostly because you can only work a certain amount of hours in right. a day. And the hours and, thing I get.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of that came from like like when I first realized it was probably like full house. Yeah, And then after that, it's like, is everything a twin?
0: No, John Stamos doesn't have a twin.
2: Oh, be a lot cooler if he did.
0: <laughs> I feel like the first time I noticed the whole twin thing was like Big Daddy. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I
0: forgot
1: that that kid was twins. <laughs> that kid is twins, yes. One is Frankenstein, and the other one is not. <laughs> Scuba Steve, damn you. 30 packets
0: of ketchup. <laughs> Wait, was that the Sprouses? It was the Sprouses. Wow. It's been a long time since I've watched that movie. Uh, That's a weird deep pull for you, I guess. Even though everyone always is like, it's the fucking Sprouses to name them.
1: You know, Cole and Dylan. Frankenstein and Dylan. Fuck those kids. And their sweet life. (laughs) The Flintstones and the Rebels managed to outsmart Vandercave, save the children, and expose the embezzlement plot to Mr. Slate. They had,
0: like, the worst Rube Goldmer machine ever in this device that they did. Like, Vander Cave's like, oh, we're going to create this modern device in order to quarry faster. And that's why everyone's getting fired. And it really just, like, launches a rock like it's Michael fucking Vick throwing a ball yeah. to Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> it's
2: an
1: happens automated process. It happens to land process. on this
0: tiny-ass little platform or whatever, and then it gets broken up by grinders that are way too high for these rocks. Absolutely. Those kids? Just duck. Going to be safe. They probably didn't even have to do that. They just sit there. They're pretty much, they're in a log. It's Splash Mountain at this point. Just less racism. <laughs> <laughs> That's why that ride got closed, man. It's not because log
1: flumes went out of fashion. It's because it was horribly racist. Doubling down on Iger. He's coming for us.
0: <laughs> he is. But I like my kids like watching roller coasters and things like that. They think it's a lot of fun. And they're like, oh, what other Disney rides can we do? And we showed them like, Pirates of the Caribbean, like the ride on for it. And like. The Tron roller coaster thing. And then uh, one for Splash Mountain came up, and we're going through. They're trying like, to catch this rabbit. It's incredibly, incredibly, incredible oasis. And they're like, why'd this ride close? And I'm like, it's
1: just old. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know? It's just real old. Times, they are a changing. It's not your daddy's <laughs> ride no more. In a climactic confrontation at the quarry, Vander Cave was defeated by the very machinery with which he replaced the workers. In the wake of these revelations, Fred declined an authentic offer to head the company's new concrete division, preferring to return to his original position in life, having learned that friendship and integrity are more valuable than money and power. What an idiot. Right? He basically invented concrete, and he's like, no, I don't want it.
2: I'm going to name it after my daughter, Concretia.
1: Concretia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, Maybe the one joke, the 35 writers, however, 36 writers, like, probably the one that didn't land compared to the rest of the movie. It was the stretch.
0: I feel like the closest we've ever gotten to that joke is in waiting when they're talking like, oh, chlamydia. I think I'll name my daughter chlamydia.
1: (laughs) It's on that level for sure. And so, your honor, that is my testimony of the events that transpired. The Flintstones and the rebels have demonstrated their innocence and rectitude. Cliff Vander Cave is the true criminal, and I am prepared to submit all relevant documents and records in corroborating this account. Thank you for your attention, and I hope my testimony helps bring justice to bedrock.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dick DeBird. Brian, <laughs> you're a embarrassment to British people everywhere. <laughs> Go oh, watch yeah. like the great British baking shows, so at least you can practice <clears throat> on your own time. Yeah, I,
1: I need some some pointers. Maybe I'll call up Dick Van Dyke. <laughs>
0: God. <laughs> oh, you thought you are going to talk Cork Day? <laughs> step Seriously. Stepping time, a stepping time, a stepping time, a stepping time.
1: famously Uh, perfect british accent my god like
0: i feel like him doing that accent and mary poppins him just going we're coming up on the bicentennial we're still fuck the british right all right i'll take care of it guys
1: (laughs) Chim -chim chimerate chim -chim (laughs) chimerate
0: uh this movie is goddamn near flawless for story and motivation i'm gonna go with a four
1: you shocked me there I'm not in a position to argue against a four. (laughs) Slightly below average. The lower end of average, really. It is an embezzlement plot scheme for children. (laughs) Kind of missed the mark there. Four. Next up, we have casting. I am
0: really tempted to go ten.
1: I am Not kidding at all saying that. For Fred Flintstone, they entertained the thought briefly of John Candy, and they really wanted to give to Jim Belushi, but they decided that he was too skinny for the role.
0: What version of Jim Belushi were they thinking of?
1: <laughs> the not John Goodman version. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jim Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase were all too skinny for the role, and they refused to use a fat suit. So
0: Bill Murray would have been terrible in this movie.
2: Oh, it would have been awful. Goodman literally looks like Fred Flintstone. Like, yeah, <laughs> he does. It, He's got big time caveman face. And you're you're spending all this money. You're like, ah, bring in Elizabeth Taylor. Her role can't is believe it, man. Not I important. Can't believe it. Not important to the movie, but we're going to bring her in anyways. I audibly laughed at when she first appears, and Fred's, like, drunk from the bowling event, and he calls her a fossil, and I'm like, dinosaur joke. Perfect. I like
0: when he says that you're going to be eating so much crow that you'll be passing feathers for a week. I love that. That's a really good line that I bet 35 people were involved
1: in. Yeah. (laughs) It was in the first, it's the only thing that remains from the first script.
2: You even have bull from Night Court. Which every time yeah, he pops you up, he, he pops up in a movie, I'm like, it's Bull from Night Court. R.I.P. Richard Maul. Oh, uh, yeah. R- a recent
0: R.I.P. He might be cold by now. I'm not quite sure. It's very recent.
1: Super recent.
0: Yeah, 10. I feel good 10. saying 10. Yep.
2: You know
1: what? I, yeah, 10. Show me a better Flintstones cast. You can't. You can't. Protagonist. All right, Fred. I was going to say, is it Fred or is it Barney?
0: It gets really, really tricky because. In a Flintstones uh, anything, it's really an ensemble. It's not so much about the Flintstones. The Rubbles are just as important.
1: Yeah. The hijinks doesn't usually happen without the other. And I'd argue that Fred Flintstone is more of an antagonist for a lot of this movie.
0: Yeah, that's really confusing. I'll go with the four again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give you an answer on who it is, but either way, four. Antagonist. It's got to be Cliff Vandercave. It has to be Cliff Vandercave. He's just trying to modernize the cave making, rock house making assembly line, while also embezzling a lot of money.
0: And it also sets up a Zoolander joke well before Zoolander.
1: That's true.
0: About when they're looking at the models, and Fred goes, "All right, <laughs> this, blonde, house, this house. Look so how small this
2: house no is." <laughs> <laughs> Cave's going to like roll out with all this money, and then he's like going to leave Sharon Stone to take the blame, or. Be the one that gets arrested. I'm like, you have this hot secretary who wants to go with you. And all of a sudden, right Nah, I'll just take the money. I'm good.
0: Maybe it's like a Sir Lancelot situation in uh, Monty Python. The Holy Grail. But you guy. No, no. (laughs) Antagonist. has to be the first embezzlement of all time. He invented embezzling (laughs) uh, uh, six. Sure. Okay. (laughs) It sounds good.
1: (laughs) Uh, Screenplay.
0: Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Mike, uh, what do you think about this one? Because I want to not touch it at all.
2: Like, I'm trying to figure out how this movie even came together. Like, you you have a plot, obviously. But, like, you had to go, you had to build it, like, scene by scene and be like, all right, where can we put a pun? Where can we put the most on-the-nose joke possible? (laughs) Every scene. And then it's just, like, all the stuff that you have to have for modern-day time. But for this setting, like the alarm clock, where it's just like the fi the fi- the fires, <laughs> oh, yeah. br- the fires burning the rope, and then it hits him in the head. The
1: Rube Goldberg
2: uh, alarm. The 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 kid throws the or the the man throws the newspaper, and it's a it's a stone Ten Commandments tablet, and it breaks when it hits Such the a yard. Good gag. But it has the animated Flintstones Fred Flintstones picture on yeah. it instead of like an actual photo, like. The writing is as dumb as it is, it's really good, there's a lot of really
0: good jokes in this movie, oh yeah,
2: there are, and they're they're towards adults, I feel like more than anything there' there's the kids stuff, and you've got Dino and the Ki and the bam bam and and pebbles and stuff stuff that entertain the kids, but mainly the jokes are for for the adults, and like you that's said, true. the older you get, the more you're like, oh my god that's that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'm gonna go seven, wow. I will remind you that
1: this movie did win a Razzie for worst screenplay. They
2: gave out Razzies in 1994? I think this was the first year they actually did oh, wow. okay.
1: Supporting Actress, but they were doing screenplay before this, and we'll get there. I'm
0: okay in the 6-7 to seven range, and I hate it. I hate myself for, for agreeing with
1: Mike on that. I laughed out loud too many times. Well that's it. I laughed I I laughed at
2: like every joke. There there was only like one that I was like, eh. You put thirty-two
1: monkeys, thirty-five monkeys in a in a room with a typewriter, they're gonna write a few rock jokes.
2: Like like I almost wanna I didn't look. Are there deleted scenes on YouTube? What jokes didn't get make the cut? I'd be terrified to find out.
0: (laughs) There's not so much deleted scenes, they had to add scenes like last second, like the whole bowling thing is a last second edition. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah, Well, and you have basically three, maybe four, technically, comedians. Like, how much of it's ad-libbed? Did they just make stuff up and then, oh, yeah, let's write that into the script. We're getting to the
1: point where we're going to have to do a John Goodman bowling movie every month. Is he in Kingpin? Can he be in Kingpin? <laughs> I guess we'll find out in January. We need a definitive answer. Six or seven on this.
0: Is this the hill you want to die on, Mike?
2: I like the uh, the joke about... Uh, instead of dental, it's foot care. And that <laughs> enough really gives uh, me because <laughs> I mean, everything <laughs> is about feet in this movie. Yep. It's going to it's going to seven just based off. Of I actually yeah, asked fair when, enough. They were,
1: when they were showing Barney's various jobs after he gets fired, I was like they were like going down a street and I was like, what does the Shell Ron station even do? And then they showed him hosing off somebody's feet. And I was like, all right, that answers all my questions. Yep.
0: There you go. Yep. It's an airtight movie, man. Send this thing to space.
1: (laughs) That's the Jetsons, Dave.
0: Sorry. Send it to the Titanic.
1: Style and tone. It's got to be real high. I mean, they lean in.
0: The bedrock set costs four and a half million dollars. That's insane. It is insane.
1: That's 10% of the budget.
2: Yeah, it is. In this movie, like, a lot of it seems like practical effects and stuff like that. Like, outside of... Fred throwing the cat out the front door—that looks really generic, like CGI. Everything else in the movie looks really good.
0: Yeah. Dino is a weird mix of CGI
1: and puppet. Yeah, also voiced fully by Mel Blanc using archival footage.
0: There you go. It's the first bit of AI that's ever been done, probably.
1: <laughs> I think it was just <laughs> using clips of him going. Let's
2: uh, say <laughs> you didn't need much for 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 Dino. <laughs>
1: Dial and I want to go like eight. The movie yeah. looks great. It looks fantastic. And they do. Everything is either made of rock or done by some sort of prehistoric animal. Boom. There you go. Eight. Let's talk about the director, Brian Levant.
0: Man, I have no idea what to think of this guy. Me either. He had a bullshit script to work with, for the most part. He had actors who I'm not convinced they wanted to be
1: there. Some of them felt like they were being held hostage by Steven Spielberg. He made
0: a movie, and the movie made Buku Bucks, so that,
1: that's, that's got to be something. You know, critically not adored, but financially did what it needed to do. And he nailed
0: the opening sequence.
1: Absolutely. Five? Five feels like the very safe answer here, and I'm for it. I'm not totally sure what to think of this
0: guy. That's He's right why the, the five middle. is there.
1: Five it is. Let's talk about the music. Scored by David Newman, and an in-movie concert by the BC-52s. Can't go wrong.
0: <laughs> Can I tell you the most jarring bit of music that's in this movie? Sure. It's when they go to Cavern on the Green. Oh,
1: no, it's, a, it's not even then.
0: You know, Cavern on the Green. Great pun.
1: Cavern on the Green is fantastic.
0: When they go bowling, did you recognize the song that was playing?
1: I don't remember it, no.
0: It is a song called The Dog Pound Hop, which people may know more as the
2: theme song from Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Was there a music video with the B 52s? Or am I just There might imagining? have been.
1: I was kind of disappointed that they weren't doing Rock Lobster, though. Two on the nose, man. Oh, that's two on the nose.
0: <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> out, <laughs> out
1: of all, of all the things. Sell out and just do Rock Lobster? Oh, <laughs> <All> willy nilly. <laughs> you can't afford Rock Lobster.
0: I think the music's all right in the worst way.
1: It's fine. I mean, like, they do the theme song often. Yeah, they do. What Uh, more do you
0: want? I'm going to go with a uh, three with the very rare Ren and Stimpy bump.
1: This is a super rare bump. Four for music. Next category is box office. This opened Memorial Day weekend with Beverly Hills Cop 3, which... um, It beat out easily. It was actually number one in the box office opening weekend over Maverick, Beverly Hills Cop 3, When a Man Loves a Woman, The Crow, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Crooklyn, With Honors, Little Buddha, and Three Ninjas Kick Back. Jeez, what a
2: weekend. What a weekend. Remember when like 20 movies would come out per weekend? (laughs) Only (laughs) two of those came out that weekend.
0: And now it's just like, Barbenheimer's a huge deal because two (laughs) good movies came out in a weekend. And there you have Beverly Hills Cop 3. And Three Ninjas Kickback. <laughs> three All Ninjas the Kickback same was weekend?
1: already. Oh no, was, Three Ninjas Kickback has been out for a few weeks at this point. Oh well, who's counting? That's Jesus why it Christ. came in at tenth. Um, this movie had a budget of forty-six million dollars. It ended up grossing three hundred and forty. Jeez, million, guys, which is a seven hundred and forty-three percent return on investment, which obviously makes this a ten.
0: Obviously, and I mean. This is how you get Viva Rock Vegas which doesn't have any of the original cast at all. No one involved in the making of this movie wanted to do the sequel
1: <laughs> except the director.
0: Right. And even he was gave like,
1: "Oh, finally
0: I could do what I want to do."
2: <laughs> I mean, 1994 is like one of those years that just stands out for box office success overall and for it to be like top unlike 2025 probably. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: On a quick Google for the year 1994, that year is just full of bangers in terms of film in general.
1: That doesn't surprise me.
0: Because the top 10 of that year, number one is The Lion King, number two is Forrest Gump, number three is True Lies, number four, The Santa Claus, stay tuned, number five (laughs) was The Flintstones.
1: (laughs) Wow. It
0: beat out Dumb and Dumber, Clear and Present Danger, Speed, The Mask, and Pulp Fiction.
2: What a year. This is a year after Jurassic Park, right? So, like, that's why the dinosaurs look so damn good in this movie. Din- <laughs> i about to say, you're capitalizing on dinosaur mania at the time. Yeah. It's
1: 1995, Steve Spielberg. What mo- dinosaur movie are you going to do next? Huge year. That brings us to impact on the industry.
0: I don't know if this is like one of those lessons of what not to do.
1: <laughs> Maybe. movie was nominated for four Golden Raspberries. Worst Supporting Actress, Elizabeth Taylor. Yikes! Alright! <laughs> Wor- worst remake or Sequel, which it lost to City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold.
0: Well, obviously City Slickers 2 is going to get a golden raspberry, because the Academy Award-winning City Slickers, still can't believe that.
1: <laughs> it's a big fall from grace. It was also nominated for Worst Supporting Actress for Rosie O'Donnell, who was also nominated for Car 54, Where Are You?, and Exit to Eden. She had a busy year. She bombed all three. Not this one. She's the perfect Betty, man. She's great. She's amazing in in this movie. Her laugh brings me so much joy. Oh, she crushed. She absolutely nails the Betty Rubble laugh.
0: Oh, she's so good, man. She's so good in this movie.
1: But between those three movies, the Raspberry Academy was like, Rosie O'Donnell, you're the worst supporting actress. Did she win it? She did.
0: Oh, well, when you're listed for three, you're probably going to win it.
1: Yeah, and of course it won for worst screenplay.
0: I'm not sure this had a very big impact on the industry itself, but in terms of nostalgia, definitely checks a lot of boxes.
2: It absolutely does. I mean, other industries, because there was a video game. There was, like, do you remember how big the McDonald's promotion was? Rock Donald's. I have vivid memories of Rock Donald's. It was like all the toys, all the, uh, I think they brought the McRib, the McRib back yeah and just kind of tied it into the movie because it looked like the same thing that they put on the car <laughs> when the car fall, falls yeah. over.
0: I should make you question McRibs for forever.
2: Uh, I always
1: do. Every year after they con me into eating one. The McRib is back. i like, it's never coming back. Do you like then- McRibs? I, no. I don't
0: know. I can only taste onions.
1: That's all it is.
0: Because it's all onions and just a tiny little slab of meat.
1: Raw onions.
0: Can I tell you another line I really like in this movie? Is uh, Yes. When they're talking about friendship, and I think it was either Fred or Barney, it's like, there's like 4,000 other people in this world. I could find another friend.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. In fact, in the Industry 2,
1: yeah. Maybe. It got a sequel. It got a sequel. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. It sustained Brian. Levant's career for another year. That's good. Life support's important. So he could eventually do a Christmas
2: story too. Yikes. Oof. And are we there yet? In the spy next door. Let's say. Didn't he do more things with Rosie O'Donnell? I feel like they were connected. What are you and, implying, down the road, sir? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> not that. Not with Rosie. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I don't want to knock the guy because I just Googled his net worth. Brian Levon, Oh boy. And uh it's up for debate. Between 1.9 million, 5 million, and 12 million.
1: Those are very different numbers.
0: They're very different numbers, so uh, good on him, I suppose.
1: I guess we give him the elusive bump?
0: Nope, Uh, still
1: two. Still a two.
0: (laughs) I just find that super impressive that he has that net worth for just saying yes to various things without reading them, clearly.
1: That's going to give the Flintstones a total score of... And even 60.
0: So we obviously went way too high on this by a lot because the critical score is 23%. The audience score is 25%. Oh, wow.
2: I expected us to be higher and that to be higher.
0: Roger Ebert did see this movie and he gave it two and a half stars.
1: That's high for him.
0: He said if the Flintstones had been able to devise a story as interesting as its production values, it would have been some kind of wonderful. This is a great looking movie, a triumph of set design and special effects, creating a fantasy world halfway between suburbia and a prehistoric cartoon. The frame is filled with delightful and inventive notions, all based on the idea that modern America might somehow be reconstructed out of rocks. Just watching it is fun. Spot on. Yeah. Man doesn't say a lot anymore, but he nailed it there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But fun is the the appropriate word for this movie.
0: There you go. That's the Flintstones from 1994, directed by some possibly fucking rich guy. Maybe. Brian, this is my pick. I knocked it out of the park, because I usually do. You usually do. So I got to ask you, guy, Why don't you tell us all we're talking about next week?
1: Beer us a movie. Well, in the spirit of the giving season, Dave, I want to give you choices.
0: This is scary. I don't feel comfortable with this at all.
1: I have two options in front of me, and I've been unable to narrow it down. One is a gift for our listeners. The other would probably be more of a gift for Dave. Oh, one, fuck the listeners. <laughs> no <sound for> me. <laughs> one of them stars an actor that we have never talked about. That could be a lot of people. The other one is directed by a director that we have never talked about.
0: Again, a lot of people. These are terrible hints, Brian.
1: Also, they are on very different ends of the art spectrum.
0: But so am I. This is wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like you'll be happy with either choice. So it's an it's it's whether you want to be very happy or if you want the listeners to be very happy. Either way, I think everybody wins. Okay, uh, hit me. Oh, I'm not going to tell you what they are. You have to choose
2: between actor or director. Well, this is not
1: here. Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> 1985 or 1960.
0: Oh my. Um, I know which one's for me out of that grouping.
1: Yeah, of course yeah, you do. Of course you do.
0: Brian made me watch Rubber. I want the one for me. <laughs> okay.
1: That means next week we're going to be talking about Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Are you kidding right now? I'm totally serious. Oh my God. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just Christmas adjacent enough that I felt like it was appropriate.
0: It's New Year's adjacent ish and Christmas adjacent ish. But it's fine. That's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful pick. God, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> what was fully the other torped. one? What did I? What did I deny everyone for? For my own selfishness and guys, the, the apartment. I cannot speak highly enough about it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Billy Wilder is on my Mount Rushmore of directors of all time. Brian knows that. I yeah. absolutely fucking adore the apartment. I love Some Like It High. I love Sunset Boulevard. Absolutely. I am giddy right now, Brian.
1: <laughs> I love that for you. For everybody else, <laughs> it could have been Chuck Norris's Invasion USA. Oh, Jesus. You know, I feel horrible now. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Brian giveth, Brian taketh. <laughs> what are you gonna do?
1: Next week, Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Until then, thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, send us your movie suggestions for our end of the month listener pick, which it's December. You're getting our Santa Claus episode for Christmas, and then we're going to be off for a couple weeks, but get them in for January uh, and join us on Patreon. This month, we're going to do something kind of Christmassy. We're going between two ideas right now. We'll see where that ends up. And um, if you subscribe to our Patreon, obviously, you get two picks for our listener pick, and you can submit those to Bear Me a Movie Pod at gmail.com or to any of our social media at Bear Me a Movie, where you should follow us, especially on Facebook, because we always put up a post on a recording day asking for your questions and comments.
2: Except for when Dave forgets.
1: <laughs> Oops. I look
2: I looked earlier, I was like, I didn't see a post. Did I miss it? Do I need to submit questions? Do you have any? Uh, I have a I have a this or that question that kind of pertains if if we want to
0: uh Mike Mike Lanham we got one we it's got Mike one from, Lanham Mike. from the guy here. <laughs> we
2: got one. Uh okay, so <laughs> Flintstones cartoon the Jetsons, which one? And I, I'm more surprised that the Phew, that boy. the Jetsons like is only it only started like three years after the Flintstones. Like for for the technology part of that show in the 60s to be a thing.
1: That's true. Um, I've always linked them, so I'm actually surprised that they came out that far apart from each other.
0: I really like in the in this movie, the Flintstones. How you had the executive producers. It was. Whoever Hannah, whoever Barbara, and then Kathleen Kennedy. Mm. But I know which one I'm going with out of those two because one of them nearly got me fired from a summer job.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> oh? oh boy.
0: I want to say it was like my sophomore year of college coming home. Uh, I did like temp work, but it lasted for the whole summer and it was at a sprocket warehouse. Okay. Where uh, people would put in their orders for their gears and sprockets. And I was the guy who uh, fulfilled those orders. It was a very small uh, operation, as you can imagine. And I would constantly call my boss Mr. Spacely. <laughs> he did not
1: like that. <laughs> I would have shifted to Toad the Wet Sprocket. So I'm going with the Jetsons. Oh, you're going, okay, because it almost got you fired, you like it more.
0: Yes, because I have uh, nostalgia. It has directly affected my life.
1: Yeah, I also kind of lean to Jetsons, and I'm surprised it hasn't gotten this kind of yeah, I was meditation. thinking the
2: same thing. Like, Well, George. <laughs> I do remember there being like a, an animated Jetsons movie, but how you didn't get. A live action like this, especially with the success of this, like how much money it made. I know the Jetsons yeah. isn't as popular in name recognition. It, it is big, but it's not as big as the Flintstones. They
1: don't have the cereal
0: tie in
2: or vitamin tie in.
0: Maybe that's what they gotta do. It's like you have the Flintstones vitamins for like the kids or whatever, and then maybe like rebrand Viagra of like the Jetsons <laughs> <laughs> uh, thing to make your. Rocket Large, take off! Are you something copywriting?
2: Are you, are you Team Fruity Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles?
0: Cocoa Pebbles, I'm not a monster. Cocoa Pebbles forever. But they have, what kind of question so, is that? You have Fruity Pebbles But there's, but there's
2: Cocoa Krispies, and they're very similar. There's not like a really generic fru- Fruity Pebbles, or at least not a good version. Good! And there should I'm, I'm be. glad
0: no one's tried to knock off garbage.
1: <laughs> That's like, there's only one Honey Smacks. Yeah, because they're terrible.
0: That's- oh, look at this. This is generic circus peanuts. It's called circus peanuts.
2: <laughs> I think
1: I just combined
2: two cereals. Isn't it Sugar no, there's, Smacks? There's and Smacks and Golden goad- Crisp. Man? I don't know. One has a frog and one has a bear. Is it oh, a monkey or bear- a bear? bear? The bear is awful. I think it's not of good. It's is, dis- so is the I think frog. one of They're them. They're both bad. Cereals. One of them's discontinued.
0: Is Cookie Crisp discontinued? Because that was just cookies. It was straight up fucking it, cookies no, for yeah.
2: breakfast. They still make it. But <laughs> never thought of that was a genius. <laughs> they still make it. You just don't get the uh, cookies for breakfast the robber scenario anymore. Didn't they just bring the Hamburglar back? I feel like that's <laughs> the same thing.
0: <laughs> it's got to be close to. They brought Grimis back, as we all know, and uh, as we know, maybe love. I'm not quite sure yet. Are I'm the kids always that.
1: trying to steal the guy's Lucky Charms? And the Tricks Rabbit's always trying to steal the. No, There's I saw a, lot of theft. You're thinking of. a lot of theft happening in the serial game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a very cutthroat environment. But yeah,
0: it's it's always going to be Cocoa Pebbles.
2: 100% yeah, Cocoa Pebbles. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your question. And for I'm, being I'm here. I'm glad they were chosen. Then. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, I told you anytime. So I enjoy talking about movies that aren't on my ever-growing list of beer me a movie choices. Every time I watch a movie I love, I'm like, we should talk about that.
0: Yeah, it's a a dangerous Uh, rabbit hole to go down, my friend. Trust me. I know.
2: It
1: sure is. Brian, you got anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic.
0: We're going to see everybody next week for The Apartment. We'll see you then.